0: The following is paid for by the Coalition for a Better Hollywood. For decades, Big Movie has had Hollywood studios in their back pocket. They spend millions to get you to spend billions on movies that are nothing more than sequels, reboots, remakes, reimaginings, Oscar cliché and January releases. Big Movie lobbyists have all but ensured original film ideas are ignored, forgotten, or maybe not even real. Are they feature films? Are they quality flicks? Are they real motion pictures? Your soon-to-be, if not already favorite movie podcast stands with the little movies. Help put an end to big movies cinematic censorship and listen to the pop-up film cast every Tuesday wherever honest hard-working podcasts can be found. We are the pop-up film cast, a proud member of the Podfix network, and we support this message. Esteemed audience, tonight,
1: the part of Andy will be played by Amy Frost. Mr. Copley? Mr. Booker, bonjour. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. Last time I checked, you had to be an American to be in the CIA. <laughs> I was born in Boston. Moved to London when I was three.
0: So why did you leave the agency, Mr. Copley?
1: My wife got sick. ALS. She died two years ago. Just haven't found my way back yet.
2: Sorry for your loss.
1: Thank you. You haven't aged a day, Booker. Trust me, I have. Ha ha ha! Yeah, and, and seen. Hello, and welcome to The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am Phil Rude. I'm the dad. And
2: I'm Austin Rude. I'm the son. Uh, every week we watch a movie and then we talk about it.
1: That's right. And uh, today we're going to sound probably a little bit different. We are coming from the dining hall of Stately Rood Manor. <laughs> Uh, uh It's a our, new setting. It's it is a, a temporary setting this week. My n- office is a little bit noisy as we're recording. Um so we're we've brought it out into the, the main hall here. So apologies if the sound quality is not uh our, a different brand of uh low end, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we're <laughs> Lo- making do. We are making do. Uh Austin, what do you been uh what have you been putting in your brain this week? uh you still hanging in with the west wing
2: i am yeah uh one of my friends is a political buff and he convinced me to watch the west wing and at first i was like really skeptical because i'm not a big fan of like political dramas like i don't like the idea of thinking of politicians as humans Hmm. if that makes sense like I don't want to trust politicians. Is the thing, so I'm a little wary of it. But I think you do
1: understand the concept of make believe, and uh, yes, and uh, I know. okay, I'm just saying. Um,
2: I'm just saying it could create a bias when I look at politicians. Sure,
1: you have to understand the West Wing is a a political drama and a television show, and that and also 20 years out of it, date. It is 20 years old. It is, uh, uh, I, and I am not overly familiar with. The West Wing, but I, I am semi-familiar with Aaron Sorkin, and I know that's one of his babies. He also did a show back in the day called Sports Night. I think maybe heard of that. Maybe right before The West Wing. Uh, It only lasted a season. It didn't really get much of an audience, but it was super good. It was a really good show. Hmm. Okay. It was about like behind the scenes of like an ESPN type sports network.
2: So it's another kind of workplace
1: drama. Yeah. It wasn't about sports. It was about this TV show crew. Right. It was, That's so, kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was It was very interesting show and, and sort of, I think, for a lot of us, sort of our first introduction to Aaron Sorkin.
2: I, uh, I think he's good at what he does.
1: He's very good at what he does. Uh, uh, Molly's Game, I believe, is one of the few things he's directed as well. Yeah. Um, Really, really solid movie. All right, highly recommended.
2: What have you been up to? Uh,
1: not much. This week has been uh, a little scattered. I've not taken time to watch very much. Just basically our movie for for today. I uh, Legend of Korra. Uh, to call back to our Avatar episode, Legend of Korra has dropped.
2: It has just a
1: couple of days ago on Netflix. I've not started it yet. Um. Partly because of time constraints, but I have come to realize I also have a bit of apprehension about starting it. In um, in a way, I should have had apprehension about extra Star Wars trilogies. Uh, here's this I thing see. that exists very much uh, perfect on its own. I'm not sure if I want... Anything beyond that, um, I am going to watch it, okay. but I, I do have apprehension about it. But there are things that, like I, I came to, I've come to realize, uh, this journey of self discovery started with the legend of Cora coming to Netflix. Uh, but like, no, um, like I've not watched the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies because I like the Lord of the Rings, and I don't. Uh, part of it is that it's a trilogy. You know, and I I just stretching out this really stretching out this 300 page book. Um, But uh, I yeah, there's these things that I love so much just as they are that I kind of get to a point where I go, I don't want anymore. I I want this to just exist. I, I, I took a long time to start watching Better Call Saul because I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan.
2: And now you love Better Call Saul. I, I do
1: I, I like Better Call Saul a lot. I don't love it. Okay. Um, I don't love it in the same way, but it, it has not taken away from Breaking Bad. I know these things don't take away from the original thing. Yeah. I just I now I, I find myself a little bit gun shy about adding to the universe. I I can see that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think there are some
2: Cora does a few things where they kind of take away from like the perfect ending that was Avatar. Sure. But they also expand in a lot of cool ways.
1: That's uh interesting. I'm I'm looking for I am looking forward to jumping in. I'm just a little bit gun shy. I think um uh at some point this week I am gonna start and we are going to do some episodes about Korra. I can't wait. I I, I really can. I <laughs> I'm already halfway
2: through book one. Like, don't don't, don't don't amp know. it up
1: anymore. That I okay. I'm, I'm already okay. uh, a little bit nervous about it. But uh, that's it. I I haven't really had much uh, viewing or, or reading this week, uh, except for what what we watched today. You wanna? Which you is? Uh, we watched the 2020 action movie, The Old Guard. Uh, this is a Netflix movie starring Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, and Chiwetel Ejiofor. It is directed by Gina Prince Blythewood and written by Greg Rucka, based on the graphic novel series that he also wrote.
2: Well, that's cool that he's the same writer.
1: I thought I thought it was cool that they they brought him to adapt his own work. I I always kind of like that when they that way sort of the tone gets gets right you know yeah. what i mean or or the the end result the vision is c- sort of kept intact i feel like a little bit better
2: yeah i think that's a good way to do adaptions.
1: in um let's jump back one more time uh to the avatar live action series we found out this past right. week uh the creators of the animated series have left the live action um, adaptation over creative differences.
2: Yeah, that's kind of divided the fandom. A lot of people are upset. I
1: I get being upset. I'm not. As I said, I I wasn't super looking forward to. I wasn't. You know, I like I said, the the animated series is so perfect. I don't really care about a live action series. Yeah, but
2: the, this is even more. This is further than just Cora continuing the story this is like we're gonna retell the story and if it's bad it's gonna totally ruin it and
1: to have a difference with the actual creator uh reminds me of the american gods um tv series
2: oh that was a disaster
1: uh it was not great it had some moments i really liked some parts of it uh but there was a point in season one where neil gaiman threatened to leave if they did this one thing with the characters, because he's like, you guys are missing the entire point. If you don't get these characters, you know, it's
2: so sad when studios do. And,
1: And, and so it, it is encouraging to see, uh, before I started this movie, I just watched it this morning that Greg Rucka, uh, adapted his own source material here. So it is sort of like, Oh, this keeps Greg Rucka's, story intact and he's able to bring it to this format and tell the story um, and make sure that his points and his characters are coming across in the way that he wants them. And I like that. Uh, That being said. Oh boy. I did not particularly care for this movie. Um, You, I, I picked this movie out because you recommended it to me. And with that...
2: So I'm to blame for all that's to come in this episode. I'm afraid
1: I'm going to just have to ask you to leave my house. I, I, I'll I, pack my things. I have supported you through many things, but <laughs> this is a bridge too far. No, uh, I, I I, do need you to leave the house, but I'm not trying to be overdramatic about well, it. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. <laughs> clearly, this is the thing that's going to break our relationship apart. Uh, this movie, This movie is not bad it for me it's almost the the worst offense where it is just forgettable it is just there it's just flat i would rather I, it take a big swing and be terrible because it took a chance than to kind of half ass every concept that they brought to the table
2: i'm i'm interested because i was worried you were going to say that you just outright thought it was bad and i don't see where you're coming from cuz I, I don't think this it's was a good movie i don't think
1: it's good i when i say i i don't think it's bad i don't want to make it sound like oh this is an offensive movie at every turn this is uh terribly executed but i do, i wouldn't call this a good movie i just i think it's a forgettable movie i think it is i think it has some moments i think it brings some concepts to the table that are super interesting but it never follows through on them. It only drops them and then sort of just moves on. Uh, um, There's there's a series of action set pieces and fight scenes throughout this movie. And I feel like everything in between there is just dropping exposition, bringing up ideas that we never come back to, and moving us towards the next fight scene. That's that's really it in a nutshell. I don't think this movie has much substance beyond that.
2: That's interesting. I, I just don't feel the same way. I don't know. I liked the characters. I liked the concepts that they were bringing. And I do agree that the plot is a little all over the place. Like... The first half of the movie, I didn't understand where we were going with this. Like, what's the goal? Right. What are they trying to get? But I don't know. I liked it,
1: and I'm not going to begrudge anybody for liking this movie. You know, it's except
2: you are kicking me out. I
1: am kicking you out of the house because I can't have this movie watched again and again in my house. Uh, It's
2: on your Netflix account.
1: uh, I'm gonna have to cancel Netflix. No, this this movie, I feel like it has some. Like, I I liked Charlize Theron in this. I, th- I think she's good, but, I mean, it's Charlize Theron. I expect her to be good no matter what she's doing. That's she, Andy, right? That's Andy. Okay. She never phones anything in. So it's not like I didn't expect a good performance. It's, it's sort of like CGI. When people go, yeah, the movie's not great, but the CGI is good. It's like, it's 2020. The CGI should be good. There's no... Excuse for it not being good. Yeah, you know Charlize Theron's in this movie. Of course she's good. She's Charlize Theron. But I've seen her play the badass uh, lady warrior. Just, I. It's not that I've seen her play it better. I've seen the roles written better. Mad Max Fury Road, Atomic Blonde. She's she can play this character. I just don't think it's in. In I know Greg Rucka's a great. Comic writer, I don't know that he's a great movie writer. I don't know that he brought something, I think something that is two-dimensional or maybe falls flat as a movie, I think maybe it fits in a comic book so much better. And that's not to degrade the medium of comics or anything. I just think that the more straightforward visual storytelling and the way that the pacing is up to the reader in comics. It works better there.
2: I do agree that uh, this story is better suited for comics. Like, you can tell they're planning to make sequels with sure. this. And it's kind of just like, when I finished the movie, I was like, I wanted more. Because I knew this is Oh, you're going to get it. This isn't all the story. <laughs> yes. Like, they're almost pulling punches. Uh, oh, for sure. Like, they're holding back because they have these bigger ideas that they want to execute planted. They later. planted
1: seeds here. And they also did the comic book thing where it's like, oh, she's dying. And then they're like, nah, she's fine. Like, Yeah, it, what was that? <laughs> that was. That's what I'm talking about. A really interesting idea of a character who is immortal slowly becoming mortal. How interesting is that? And then at the end of the movie, it's just like... Eh, nah, she's good. She's good. She's fine. The fact that she was still alive we're at just, the end we're baffled just, me. She should have died at the end of this. That's the only way to... Uh, we'll Ms. get... Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get deeper into this. Um, I agree with
2: you there, but I don't think it diminishes from the movie as a whole.
1: By the way, Charlize Theron has played a version of this character also in a movie that um, is very popular that I also did not like. Um is uh, Hancock with Will Smith.
2: Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I don't remember it that much. I don't remember her being
1: in it. She is, uh, well, to, connected to Breaking Bad. That movie's actually written by Vince Gilligan, uh, who is the creator of Breaking Bad. Okay. Before he did Breaking Bad. it's uh, The concept is that she and Will Smith are essentially gods. They're these immortal, super-powered beings. Um that have gone through time together and keep reconnecting. And when they come together, they start to lose their powers. I don't like that movie, but I think that concept is super interesting. And I think at the end of the day, they didn't quite execute it well, but they were at least exploring that concept here. The concept gets brought in. It gets dropped in your lap. We're shown her breaking down And then they just abandon that by the end of the movie, and it's just such a non-committal movie.
2: I, the thing is, I agree, but again, I just don't think that if if you're entertained by it,
1: I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not saying you. I'm saying for me, it it did it falls short. That's what makes it fall short. Okay. But I do think um, I.
2: However, uh, can I say I feel like, um. Part of what plays into that is the fact that these are immortals who are tired of being immortal. So, like, uh, Andy doesn't care why she's immortal anymore. She she doesn't. She's not exploring these ideas.
1: Again, but that's a concept, too, that is introduced and not really followed up on. We don't really explore how exhausted with living forever Andy is. It's brought up a few times. But that's, it. I don't feel like it's really explored in a meaningful way. We, instead of exploring that, we go into another fight scene. And that's that's what drags this movie out for me.
2: You say that it gets dropped, but I feel like these concepts at the end tied together when uh, the CIA operative, when he shows them that he's been tracking them throughout the ages. We're gonna talk about connected. that. Too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I felt like that sort of tied the concepts together. It does tie it the concepts. Answered con- some questions.
1: It, every every concept is tied together. Every concept is there. It's just on a surface level. That's my that's my okay. complaint with it. We're gonna get into it more um in a few minutes. I, I don't wanna take the deep dive because we do need to put a break in here. So let's take a break. All right. And then we'll come back and I will show you how wrong you are. We'll do that. Okay. <laughs> hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy or between serial killers and podcasters than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media.
2: Hi, this is Mouse. I'm (laughs) Weens. We have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Mouse and Weens. I'm a big sister in San Diego with kids and I'm married. And I have uh, no friends.
0: (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I do. I have friends. I just don't have any boyfriends or love.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, Mouse and Weeds podcast, you just listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's not really depressing. Fun. We talk about family stories, life and love and kids and all the things you're interested in. We promise. Yay! Celebrities in Hollywood too. Poke your little turtle head out and come listen to <laughs> us. Mouse and Weeds. Bye.
1: We're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. How was your break? Uh, It
2: felt immortal. It just would not like die. Would not end. Yeah. I,
1: I I was dreading. Uh, get, get me through this podcast. I, I don't even care about doing it I anymore. I forgot
2: we were doing the podcast.
1: I forgot to even care about this podcast until I found another young podcaster in my dream. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yes, immortality. Let's talk about it. All right. Here's my problem with immortal characters. They have no stakes. It is the same thing about, like, Superman, uh... Uh, Wolverine, it is so easy to make them there, especially in a movie like this, where it is so much fight scenes and you know, they can't die. Why are we spending all this time watching them fight, knowing that they are ultimately going to win?
2: I, I tend to agree with you, but I also feel like with, with Andy, they upped the stakes so that during the climax, there is that tension of, is she going to die?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. No, by the end of it, when she is falling apart, before they abandon that concept.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um, You're right. That's the only time you start to go, oh, she could die at this point. But other than that, all these other fight scenes they have, there's just nothing to them. There, uh, not only is she immortal, but like, She's cutting through these people like with no problem at all. There's no back and forth. There's no struggle in the fight at all. It's not like a Jason Bourne fight. Or again, I'm going to reference this because I think people should see it. Atomic Blonde. There's some brutal fight scenes in that. And if they wanted to make this truly brutal, I think there would have been some better fight choreography that felt like there was some tension in these fights. This looks very beautiful and very slick. Right. But I don't, when I watch a fight scene, I want to see some back and forth. I want to see some punches getting thrown around. I want to see some damage on both sides. And I want to know that the protagonist could lose. I, I see your point there. I mean, it's maybe it's nitpicky, but it's, I, it's part of the reason this whole movie fell flat for me. The one exception is um, uh, the, what's her name? The the new recruit. Niall. Right. Niall and um, Andy fighting on the plane. Right. Like, that was a cool fight. You know, these two immortal people. But also, like, there was, they were both getting shots in. There was both back and forth. And you could see, like... Andy's like laughing when she gets a punch landed on her. She's like, "Ooh, this this kid's good," and and this is a challenge for me for the first yeah, time.
2: that that fight is also
1: more of a mental battle. Sure,
2: it's all about uh, Nile. Is sort of in denial. Nile in denial.
1: Uh, ooh, ooh, meaning? Right? Yeah, but, I, stand, uh, I stand corrected.
2: No, I think that the reason that fight had more weight to it was because of that.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it was playful. It was entertaining. It was interesting in a way. And it was sort of classic comic book team up kind of thing where the two heroes meet and they don't like each other. And then they slowly, you know what I mean? Like the Avengers, all of these things where comic book care, you know, and that's, that's Greg Rucka doing this comic book trope in the movie. And it actually, like that whole sequence when she basically goes and kidnaps her, you know, she shoots her in the head in the desert, all that yeah. stuff, all that stuff like really worked for me. And I was still on board at that point, but it was after, after that is when everything sort of started declining for me. And, um, I, I feel like there was, there was just a lack of stakes and a lack of tension in the movie.
2: I, I. See, I agree, but I didn't see it as, like, you don't need tension in a fight scene, I think. Like, that church fight scene, uh, where she's just mowing them down. Yeah. I saw that as, this is an example of how effortlessly she can fight, and how old she is. I didn't see that as, we're supposed to be worried about her.
1: I get that too, but... They had already shown us that two or three times.
2: I guess, yeah. I, I, it's, that's a what I'm saying. Redundant.
1: That's what I'm saying. By the time we're going from set piece to set piece, you know, action to action to action, you need to be bringing something to those action scenes. They need to have some tension to them. They otherwise, they're just—it's like putting a dance number in. There's no—you're just watching people move through it, right. and that's fine. Like it's not a, it's not a badly choreographed movement scene. It's just kind of a boring fight scene at that point. I want, I wanted to see more struggle. I wanted to see something more than just shooting guns and swinging the ax around and just mowing down everybody who's in front of them. It just, it's disposable bad guys. Right. You know what I mean? Like there, here's, here's this army of soldiers um and again, I think this is a problem with this in a movie. I I don't want to keep coming down hard on this story or these concepts or Greg Rucca as a comic book writer. I I'm very curious about this as a graphic novel. I I want to check this out because I think this probably works better as a comic than as a movie.
2: how how would there be? Any difference in tension in a
1: graphic novel because uh, a graphic novel and and comics are every every panel is just representative of a a moment in time as opposed to actually seeing the movement. You fill in the blanks with it. You set the pace for it. You it's it's a little bit. This is going to sound like it's a shot at comics. I love comics. I'm not taking a shot at it. It's a flatter, it's a two-dimensional art form Yeah. as opposed to, I know movies, a TV is technically two-dimensional as well, but it's it's bigger. There's sound, there's pacing set by the director, there's all of these other elements that make it more of a three-dimensional space. Right. I think this is a two-dimensional story that didn't translate well to a three-dimensional space.
2: Are you saying that uh, fight scenes in comics, there's more involvement because, like, it's more engaging because you're basically directing the comic. Kind of. As opposed to this where you're just watching a fight and you don't care what happens.
1: You You can get to a fight scene in a comic and it can seem enormous. And then you look at it and it's three pages. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's not half of the book. Um what you get in a comic is you get the keyframes and you can sit and stare at each frame, at each panel, and you can take as much time as you want with it, or you can breeze through it, whatever gets you through it. It is a it is a partnership kind of to read a comic, as opposed to being fed a movie. I feel like I feel like the reader has control in a comic book. And I think, I think Greg Rucka bringing these, these visuals or, or I don't know who the artist on that series is. I should have looked that up before it started. Um, and by the way, I did look at some of the artwork online. It's, it's a beautiful looking book. Really? It really is. It's very cool looking. I really do want to check out the comic. I just don't think it translates to a movie very well. And, and, uh, or it wasn't translated to a movie very well. I'm not saying it can't be done. I just think there were some ideas in here that uh, may have been, could have been better fleshed out. And there was a just a lack of tension. I was kind of bored through this movie. And it could be the fact that I think this movie is about 20 to 30 minutes too long. It's a little long. It's over two hours. And I feel like they could have brought it home. Uh, uh, in a bit shorter time than that. I,
2: I actually took a break while watching it. Um, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I did. So I kind of watched it in two halves. There was an intermission. So that might have uh, changed my perspective on it.
1: Well, I got to a point where I thought it was getting near the end and I looked at the clock and there was like 35 minutes left. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. We're about wrapping this thing up. And... Nope, it uh, it kept going. So, uh, yeah, there's a problem when you with the pace of your movie when when um, when you're tracking it. I should lose track of time in a good movie, right? You know what I mean? Um, Okay, uh, can
2: we talk about the characters, please? Because I think that is one of the pros of this movie. Um. Okay, go ahead. Uh. I liked the characters. That's no, um, <laughs> that's in the most basic form. Uh, it was mainly Andy and Niall. They were really the heart of this movie for me. Uh, watching this sort of mentorship, um, where Andy is teaching Niall basically to be her replacement as the leader of this group. Sure. Um, and there were even um, just like side characters that made the world feel more lived in for me like one of the best examples is when Andy is stabbed and she's not healing so she goes to the store oh, and yeah. this random store clerk just helps her out and is a kind person and we never see her again uh, but that's just a right. character that stands right. out
1: yeah sure um yeah, that's fair. I think there are some. I think there are some interesting characters in here, and and you know maybe this is just about me, but I don't think any of these characters were fleshed out to their potential. I think we scratched the surface of a lot of them. Nile, in particular, um, is shown to be a religious person, and that is never explored that is never really fleshed out that's where they butt heads at the very beginning she's like what are you praying and she's mocking her yeah um and and then uh at the end when uh is it booker uh yeah he's he's like uh banished for a hundred years or whatever and he's like oh that means i'm never gonna see you again and andy goes have a little faith and i'm like that's that's the f- the faith exploration of this movie. Is you went from mocking someone for praying, you've not discussed it since then, and now you are a faithful person.
0: That's like,
1: weird. I didn't catch that. It I caught it because it was brought up and never addressed again. Like that's the problem with this movie. They go to the effort of showing Niles cross. All the time. It's constantly on the outside of her clothes. While she's fighting in a war even. Uh, sorry. The sun catches that. That's a yeah. huge, huge dangerous thing. Very weird. Yes. It, it is constantly being shown. She makes a big deal about my God is real. It's never brought up again. There's all this potential to have Andy just be this person who has lost her way. Has lost her idea of humanity is worth fighting for. Um and and you know maybe this kid comes in and reinvigorates her in and maybe that's what is implied and maybe that's what was supposed what we're supposed to infer but I didn't get it I just got here's this theme of faith we're not going to talk about it but at the end just know it's resolved and it it maybe there's a scene maybe there's a scene that got cut because this movie was 4 hours or whatever <laughs> but Like, I don't know. It just rang so hollow. But it's so much potential for these characters to explore, but they didn't do it in favor of having more fight scenes with no tension in them.
2: You are making me realize that a lot of the most interesting parts of this story were sidelined for this
1: kind of boring plot that they were so committed to. The plot is very simple, actually. Uh, You know, uh, Big Pharma. And it's
2: actually a question. It's like a moral question in itself. Is it ethical for them to keep mortality to themselves?
1: These are all themes that could have been explored in this movie and made it a much more interesting movie than it was. And that's where I think this movie fell flat for me is that it had so much potential that it just didn't explore and the way this movie ends with, you know, a lead in to the next movie um, right. just makes me think, oh, they're just trying to shotgun themselves into a franchise as opposed to taking their time and making one good movie at a time. You know what I mean? Like Nef- you might be right Netflix there. is trying to have their own, you know, superhero franchise and I don't begrudge them that. I don't I don't mind anybody who wants to set up a superhero franchise but make me a good movie you know like don't yeah. just you can't build it on this foundation that's shoddy right i think the other the other thing uh, I, about the potential that i saw in this movie is that if this movie had just been a generic you know fight through uh, uh the corporate structure of of big pharma you know we want to kidnap these immortal beings and they just have to fight to get them back if it had just been that and they hadn't introduced all these other themes i'd have been like yeah that's fine this movie is exactly what it is but this movie is trying to be something else without doing the work to be something else something bigger than that and that's where i think it fell fell flat for me you're definitely winning this
2: conversation because...
1: <laughs> you just want to move back in. No, oh my I, God.
2: <laughs> I miss my bet, okay? <laughs> no, I went in thinking this movie is great because I had fun with it. If you had
1: fun with it, it's not a failure. I'm not begrudging anybody who likes this movie. But you're also right in that this movie fails somewhat on a structural level. Look, there are movies that are failed movies that I enjoy very much. There are movies like Primer. Primer does not exist in a vacuum. Primer is such a complicated movie that if you don't have several advanced degrees in engineering and astrophysics and uh, the mechanics of time travel, you cannot watch that movie without reading outside articles to understand exactly what's happening and making diagram. I mean, it is a complicated movie. Yes. I love it. I love that movie. But it is an absolute failure as a movie. Same with 2001, which is a classic science fiction movie. That movie is made with a book that was written at the same time. It is, made a, a, it is a collaboration between Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick to create this sort of multimedia experience. None of it exists in a vacuum by itself. In that way, it's kind of a failure as a movie, but as a multimedia experience, it's it's really something.
2: That's interesting. Uh,
1: it's 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 an interesting movie on its own, but you can't quite get your head around it. I, I, I'm sure there are people who can, but I mean, like, as far as being a movie, I, every movie should be self-contained. You should be able to understand what's going on without reading source material, without reading outside articles. The movie has to deliver that stuff to you. There are movies like that that I really enjoy that fail on that level. It's okay to enjoy a movie okay. that isn't technically perfect. I don't want to bag on you for for liking this movie or for having fun with it. I I think I saw a lot of stuff online today. People like this movie. It like really? I, I, I I haven't heard anyone talking about it. So I, I just I assumed s- I saw just some some headlines that were like, you know, uh uh, the old guard is is big, loud, fun. You know they understand what it is. They're not suggesting it's a, it's a you know cinematic masterpiece, but people ha- people are having fun with this movie. Right, I, you're not you're not alone, and I'm probably being kind of an a hole about it. But <laughs> I, I mean, I just this movie just fell flat for me. I. I don't think
2: you're being an a-hole. I don't want I you think... to
1: backpedal on liking it or feel like you have to be apologetic for no, it. No, I'm what not going to stop liking like... it. <laughs> just um, don't watch it around me again. No, I'm just
2: you're, joking. <laughs> you're actually holding it to a higher standard. Um, that kind of shows that you liked what this movie had to offer and you're disappointed that it didn't do it as well as you think it could have.
1: I'm holding this movie to the standard that the movie presented they presented these big ideas and then didn't follow up on them right if they had never presented them i would probably like this movie more but because they presented them i expect them to follow up on them and deliver them to me in at least an interesting way take the swing they you know y- you have a pitch coming to you take the swing even if you miss you're at least trying to explore this concept of what i mean an immortal being, being tired of life. We saw that in Logan. You know, right. uh, this, this immortal being who is tired of life and is breaking down. Uh, uh, we've seen things like that in Highlander. You know, Highlander is about an immortal man who has to fight other immortal beings. There are, there are stakes involved in that because the rules are set up to say, if you're fighting another immortal, you can die. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the only way you can die. Uh, and it also explores like, um, his loved ones that he's outlived and, and the toll that that's taken. Right. Uh, There's a more kid, kid friendly example in
2: doctor who. Okay. It's kind of the same thing. They explore that, uh, Several times, it's like a reoccurring theme that the doctor's this immortal being, so sure. he has to deal with loss, and he doesn't have a normal life.
1: All of these things are are presented and actually almost followed up on the fact that these are immortal beings who have found each other and sort of banded together um, because they know the struggle of being immortal and having fought through all of the, you know, the Crusades and the Napoleonic Wars yeah. and things like they, that. They have united experiences. Right. That that stuff is really interesting to me. And I think it did those things and actually kind of went a little deeper into those as character development. But really, it was mostly done out of the sake of, like, providing an origin story for these characters. Like, I didn't need to see a flashback to to every every single I I guess they didn't do they did the flashback of like the witch trials right which was I think mostly there to set up the next movie it's very
2: the witch thing is very disjointed
1: in this right It but it was it was interesting I didn't need to see a flashback to it but it was interesting like it was all backstory but so much of this in between fight scenes was just exposition you know like we talk about the plot and the plot is just sort of simple. It's almost a a, a side thought to this entire movie, yeah. you know?
2: It's really uh, minor compared to the other concepts that they cover.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I want to talk about a couple of like character inconsistencies that I think were just really sloppy as well. And I know I'm just beating the tar out of this movie at this point, but I like there's, it's not a
2: fair fight
1: at this ju- point. And, well, there's just, there's just stuff that bothered me throughout. Like the CIA guy, you know, is like, he sanctions the kidnapping of these two immortals and, and the, the human lab rat kind of acts aspect of that, where they're basically torturing these guys. And then um, when they find out Andy's not immortal anymore, he's like, well, we'll just kill her. And he's like, wait, that's murder. And it's like, dude, you you are the most corrupt guy in this movie. Um, but also, like, he's like, oh, I totally respect your, you know, what you guys do. And mm-hmm. I'm tracking all of this. And it, all of that was just super inconsistent. I, I think that character was potentially so interesting. I
2: Okay, that's one thing where I think you're totally out of left field here. I think that character was a great example. I think um, the immortal who betrayed them, that was a bad example. That was like out of character. That was just cliche. Uh, It was, but um, you can see him in a lot of scenes questioning himself. Uh, And they explained it uh, pretty well that he he had the idea that he was going to help the world he was going to make this big medical breakthrough uh and save people like his wife right and that's what he thought he was out to do and then he realized this uh company is not ethical
1: right all. he's the ethical cia he, agent <laughs> <laughs> fair fair
2: he went into this expecting it to go differently. Sure. I mean so and he had this principle that he was like yes they deserve uh to share their gift with the world um like they can't hoard it to themselves so I'm gonna take them in I'm gonna um kidnap them but that's and that, make them give it up.
1: That's also contrary though to his whole bulletin board where he's like that's showing that they're not hoarding it to themselves, that they are sharing with humanity. Here's this person that they saved back then and their grandson or whatever it was is the the ripple effect of that. He's sitting there with examples of like of the service they are doing to humanity already. But I that's feel a much more subtle service. You're right that
2: it's hip- It's he's a hypocrite for not seeing that, but that's a much more subtle example. And he's someone who just lost his wife. Right. He's hurting and he wants to help people. I
1: get that. That's why that was in there. I just feel like it, it was shoehorned in there to give him a reason to give him a motivation that he really didn't need because he already had a motivator the other way. It's almost like it should have been two different characters. Like one guy who's like, "Oh, here's here's what they do for humanity." And then another guy who's like, "Oh, I just lost my wife, so therefore that's that's my uh my supervillain setup." Now, all that said, I do like the bad guy turns in this. I like that they explore that um he did this thing, but he doesn't feel good about it. And now he's going to help them. I like that they're, uh, that Booker betrayed them and then fought with them and that they essentially voted to exile him. Like, you know, they're like, we can't kill him. And they still like, they understand why he like that.
2: They the, didn't just forgive him. There, there were consequences, they,
1: right? They, they they there are consequences, and they also sort of understand where he's coming from. And they're like, "Look, go meditate on this for a hundred years. We'll get back together, and we'll move forward, and we'll move past." Like, sure. there, there's this, there's these ideas that like people are not. It's not black and white people. That, that there are shades of gray in people. That people make missteps. The, that's a character concept that I love that this movie did that this story did is that it didn't just make the bad guys out and out bad. They, they're they just sort of like people are redeemable. I mean the big bad guy, of course, yes. because who doesn't hate drug companies, <laughs> but like, uh, I, I really did enjoy that. I loved the end when, when she stands with him on the beach and says, we'll meet you in a hundred years. And he says something like, uh, Uh, I hoped it, it would be less, but I expected it to be more. Right. And, and he's sad that he thinks he won't see her again. I think, I think that was really interesting. And I, I like the idea of, of shades of gray in these characters. And, And, um, and I do give this movie props for that, for, for having, no matter how clumsily it may have been handled coming through that, uh, that that they had these sort of redeemable I don't even want to say they're villains cuz they're not even really the bad guys they're of antagonists it. they're they're right they're tools of the villain um but then there is other character moments like like Nile flaking out and like oh I'm leaving oh that was totally just for plot it was that terrible. was just so that she wasn't caught with the rest of them a scene ahead of that They're looking at pictures of her dad, who's, by the way, going to come back as an immortal in some future movie. What? Come on. (laughs) I don't. Where did you get that? He was killed in action. And then at the end when she goes, uh, oh, yeah, the CIA guy is going to make it look like I was killed in action. It's. I think it's all. I think it's oh. all set up. Her dad is going to be back in the okay, future. I, I thought she meant a he's mo- coming
2: back from the grave. Or no, something, I think I he's like. an
1: immortal too. Um, Maybe. Uh, but yeah, they're they're looking at pictures of her dad, and they're like, "Oh, you're a warrior. You come from warriors." And she's like, "Yeah, I was taught to never back down." And then they're like, "Okay, let's go storm the bad guy." And she goes, "Nah, I'm out." <laughs> it's just like you're backing down. You're absolutely contradicting your whole backstory that you gave one scene earlier. I I I thought it was I thought that was a giant snafu in the script that that should have been addressed. I think I think uh, what Niall her
2: character development in this movie is learning why they fight. Um she she learns they're immortal and she's up for a fight, but she doesn't understand what they're doing. She doesn't get the goal. And so I feel like she leaves and then she comes back and then she learns about what they've been doing with the bulletin board. And I feel like that kind of gives her the motivation. It's
1: yeah, but it's she, a cheap way to do it. I, You're right, I, I just but... think it was a giant contradiction and she should have just she should have either gone or not. You know, okay. instead of having a or or cut that conversation about like, oh, you're you're a total warrior. And she's like, I never back down. And then like they go, OK, let's go fight the bad guy. She's like, no, I'm out. Actually, I've got plans. And she's like, I'm backing down. I mean, that's it, it is indirect conflict with as far as character development. You're going to put this in the, your that whole conversation about her dad was purely to be backstory on the character. On Nile, Yeah. And then she, like, literally five minutes later, is doing something in direct conflict with that. And it's that kind of writing, I think, is just sloppy. I and, and I think that's the same reason that big concepts weren't followed up on here. I think there was no attention to detail in the script in fleshing it out into a full movie.
2: I... I don't think that it was a lack of attention to detail. I just don't think
1: they knew what to focus on. That's Actually, a that's a really good way of putting it. Like this movie has ADD where it's all yes, over the place. They,
2: they want to make a commentary on war. They want to make a sure. uh, commentary on immortality and what it means to live and die. And they want to set up this cinematic universe and they want, and they want to uh, talk about faith and they want to
1: talk about pharma, uh, uh, about being faced with an impossibility that you're an immortal person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, that's a really, really solid point um, that I hadn't really considered that, that maybe it's not laziness. Maybe it's too much ambition. Maybe it's, trying too hard to talk about too many things as opposed to focusing on one or two of those things and fleshing that out into this movie
2: right well you have to keep in mind too this is an adaption so this is a story he's already written he has it in his head right he has these main ideas that he needs to get across and set up everything so he's not coming at it from this f- fresh sp- perspective of I'm just going to tell a story he's it's more complicated than that
1: right he's um, and also this is a series of graphic novels so he could be pulling from several that's true. you know too. several books worth of themes and sort of funneling them into and you also see this with um, and I don't know how much Greg Rucca has written for a screen but you see this in like new filmmakers sometimes where I'm making this movie. I don't know if I'm going to make another one, so I'm going to put as much of my ideas into this one, right. just in case I, this is the only movie I make. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, no, that's a that's a really interesting thing I hadn't considered that um, that maybe as far as the writing of a book goes, maybe I, I said that comics are are more two dimensional, but maybe in just in writing in general is more three dimensional. It's bigger ideas. Yes. And and maybe that is what didn't translate to uh to screen as far as like maybe all the back you know, like people always say like the book, not comics, but like regular book books are always better. They're not, but like yeah. the, the, the general the, idea. the general idea is that books are better because you can put inner monologue. You can put a lot more things in a book that don't translate to screen. Yeah i I think screen is just harder in general. D- depending on the story, sure, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think uh, you've you've brought up a really uh, solid point. Um, I <laughs> uh, that, I try, but no i I think that's a really interesting idea. Where I was looking at this as as lazier than it is. It's almost. I I think now that you say that maybe you're right. It's overambitious. It's it's too much.
2: I the way I'm looking at this movie um the way I'm sitting right now is you've kind of shown me what the flaws in this movie. Like I felt like oh there's <clears throat> things are a little flat um and there were some pacing issues, but I couldn't put it into words right. why I had a problem with it. So you've helped me figure out what the flaws in this movie are but i still see it as a plus because i'm looking at this as like a pilot episode like this is the start of something and i think they can build this into something better like i really want to see what happens with the witch like it looks like she's gonna be the villain of the next story right
1: and right yeah. No, I get Look, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not trying to tell you I know that you shouldn't like this, this movie. This isn't a debate. I, I mean, you like this movie and you want to see more. Cool. I want to read the comics. I want I want to go in and read how this plays in a book. I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to downplay the story as a whole. I just I'm calling it as I saw it. and and you're showing me uh that yes, I have criticisms of this movie and you're sort of refining your analysis is sort of informing you're allowing me to criticize this better. No, uh, (laughs) but uh, my, my argument against like a pilot episode, I get that. It's something to get off the ground. Everybody knows the first movie in a series, just like a pilot. It has to explain certain things. Yeah. But I still like, I don't cut series slack. If you can't grab me in a couple episodes, you know, people who go, you got to get through the first season. You got to get through the first six or seven episodes. No, if it takes you that long to get a hold of me, you're doing it wrong. But this did grab you.
2: You just said it yourself. You want to read the comic. You want to explore this story more. Sure. You you have issues with how it played out. I'm saying but... a
1: crappy pilot episode, you can't say, well, it's a pilot. A pilot is the thing... That is supposed to determine whether or not something goes forward or not. It still has to be entertaining. It can't just be exposition. You have to entertain me. Have we
2: considered that, just like in this movie, the pilot is playing dead?
1: Okay. That was a bad point. I'm get sorry. out. I'm not joking. <laughs> get out right now. <laughs>
2: and that was the last episode <laughs> of the picture. Show.
1: Well, now? I it's a, the picture show with Phil Rude, <laughs> with Logan <laughs> Phil and more Phil. <laughs> Logan, get in here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's about all the notes I have. I've I've exhausted my complaints about this movie. I've tried to sing it some praise, too. I think this movie did some things very well. I I think adding a little more tension, dropping some exposition, if they come out with a second movie and everyone's like, oh my God, it's so much better, I'd be willing to take a look at it. You know what I mean?
2: I. But are you going to trust if I say that? No. Based on... No, yeah, absolutely yeah, not. Exactly. No, if somebody
1: I trust tells me. No, no, look, like if they come out and they go, look, all these issues that, that you had issue with you know a lot of them are fixed a lot of things are more streamlined maybe maybe they bring a different director in uh, uh, you know what i mean like sometimes it's it's just and i don't think this movie is poorly directed it looks great this movie really does look good it does um i don't think this movie is poorly directed i think except for like like i said the fight scenes are a little boring some directors just aren't action directors i mean Honest to God. That's just
2: how it plays out sometimes. Watch
1: the first Christopher Nolan Batman movie. Like, Nolan was not an action director at all at the time. And those fight scenes are just <laughs> a mess because he didn't know how to shoot a fight scene. Um. So, yeah, I think some of the... I think the action scenes are a little bit boring. And that's fine if they had beefed up the story. And if they fix that in, in future movies that we all know are coming. Right. Like... I think that would be cool. I think there's a lot of potential here. I really do. Uh, But that said, if this hadn't if this hadn't been the assignment for this week, I would have shut this movie off halfway through. Okay. Like, like it. I think that's fair. It just didn't hold me, and and that is, I I think if they had taken a big swing poorly, it would have been better than something that just bored me you know what i mean okay. like for me that's almost a bigger offense uh so but yeah i don't know i i don't want to write this off completely all these complaints aside uh like i said it, at least i'm going to look at comics yeah and i'm going to see what future movies bring um because i think there there is potential here what about you? I I wouldn't even not recommend this to somebody because I know there I know people who would really enjoy this movie.
2: Yeah, I I would recommend this. I'm movie.
1: just saying this movie is not really for me. If I went to a friend's house and this was on, I would sit and watch it. Okay. I mean, I would probably MST3K it, you know. But like, <laughs> like I don't hate this movie. It just was. It just fell flat for me. Yeah, you have some disagreements. Right. So, uh, and I like, to, I like to bitch about movies that are boring to me. So, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what I've done. I'm sorry I've taken this entire episode over uh, with, with complaints. No, it's fine. But, I mean, would you recommend this just as a blanket recommendation to people? Or uh, I, is there, I'm like, boring. a specific person that you, or type of person that you're like, yeah, this is for you, not for you, uh, you know?
2: Overall, I think this is, like, a general recommendation. Like... Okay. I think the average moviegoer would like this movie. I think that's fair. Yeah, and I, and if I knew someone who was specifically into action or one of the things I think this movie did best, which we didn't even cover, was the soft magic system with the immortality and um, just how they play with that
1: and the like the really psychic cool. dreams.
2: Yeah. Sure. I thought the way they connected everything, I thought that was a, it's a good example of
1: a magic system. I, I can appreciate when people can have a story that's grounded in a reality and still put a system, a paranormal or supernatural element in there and make it seem like, oh, this is part of the world. Yeah. Like it's an anomaly. It never seemed silly. Right. Right right I mean it was just part of the rules of the world mm-hmm. you know what I mean um so yeah I think I think that's fair I do think this movie benefits from being a Netflix movie I think um Netflix like, Netflix makes sort of the best TV movie you've ever seen like yeah like it, it like uh, I would
2: not like I saw the trailer for this and I was like excited to see it but I would not have gone to the theater to see this. That's
1: what I think. I don't think this movie is a success in theaters. I think a lot of movies that are performing well on Netflix uh people are taking that and going, "Well, look, people people are interested in original properties." I think if you put that in a movie theater next to, you know, 10 Disney-owned franchise films, yeah. it doesn't do anything. But people already have a Netflix subscription. People are going to watch this. And I think people are watching it. Um, it's brand new. It's only been out a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I and there is some buzz. I've noticed, like, there are a lot of podcasts talking about this movie. And there's articles written on it. And like I said, there's there's a response to it in the way that there was for... Uh, what's the Elizabeth Moss movie we watched? I don't know. Uh, what? Invisible, Invisible oh, Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like... These these movies that have come straight to video and have performed super well, and people are really surprised by it. And it's like, I don't know if it's going to do that, those numbers in the theater, but they're doing great uh, it, just straight to video. And I think that's great. Yeah.
2: It, when there's less effort involved in picking the movie, when you can just put something on
1: sure. and go on your and phone you're, you're paying, or whatever. And you're paying for it anyway you're that's not it's too. not a yeah. trip to the theater that costs you 60 bucks it's it's here with your netflix bundle yeah. you know you
2: already bought
1: the movie and you can shut it off in 10 minutes if it's not you can try it you know like i think that's the benefit of of something like netflix and uh right. like i said like the best produced tv movie is what netflix does and for them to get uh Charlize Theron and and Chiwetel Ejiofor in there right i mean those are not love stars man like those are big names i'm kind of interested
2: what budget they gave this movie because there's some good cgi in there too it's
1: it's not bad uh there's some good stuff that i think is green screen but still looks good uh there's some good uh practical effects and stunt work right there's a great cast i mean it really is uh, one of the articles i saw online today was like the old guard proves you don't need a marvel budget to make an entertaining action movie, and I would, I would agree with that. My shortcomings for this movie aside, yeah. I have a lot of shortcomings with Marvel movies too. <laughs> this but, is better than most but, Marvel movies. But the I'd idea say. that you can put together a comic book based action movie without spending a billion dollars on it, you know what yeah. I mean? They didn't have to pay Robert Downey Jr. fifty million dollars just to walk onto a, a a green screen set. You know, <laughs> like they. Netflix put together a good action movie, you know, right. with, with a fraction of the budget. And, and I I think I, I applaud them for that. That's actually what worries me
2: about the idea of a sequel for this movie is uh, the money that that movie gets is going to be based on how many people streamed this movie, what the perception of it was.
1: So, like, it's How much very people dependent. are talking yeah. about it. How much, you know... So our podcast
2: is helping fund the second
1: movie. I mean honestly if if the response is good if they can show that people are interested enough to subscribe to Netflix that weren't already yeah. to you know what i mean like those kind of things it is sort of like oh they'll give them more money for it. Yeah so. but
2: i'm afraid that what they're
1: going to do that it becomes is about
2: give it like ten dollars and it's just going to be a really bad <laughs> oh, yeah. movie they,
1: they, they go the other way and they gut it yeah and, that's what i'm and, thinking yeah. um yeah that, that that happens too uh with sequels you know it, yeah. it just becomes like oh now it's a name now we don't have to try and it becomes right. like yeah uh, well uh i guess we'll wait and see because like i said i think at least one more movie is is definitely it's, it's coming. coming yeah um is that, is that good? Do we you I got think, anything
2: else? No, I think that's our thoughts.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, let's uh, let's close this out and uh, move on to shoutouts. Who do you got this week? Uh, for shoutouts, let me see. I found
2: an artist on TikTok this week. His name is Joshua Hayes. Uh, it's spelled a little weird, so we're gonna put the name in the description. Yeah, but he does some really cool almost gothic art okay uh, a lot of weird faces and uh dark shadows and i was just really interested in what he was making it's like real
1: detail oriented uh yeah, yeah that's wild so he makes uh videos
2: on tiktok okay. and that's how i found him
1: all right very cool what about you uh, this week, I want to shout out my old BrokeBot Mountain co-host, David Luzader, and his new show, Hit Me One More Time. It is, uh, it's on the Frog Pants mega feed and also his own feed. Uh, that is a nostalgia reflection show where guests come on and they bring something that they loved as a child. It can be an album, it can be a TV show, a movie. Right. Uh, and they watch it and they talk about it and discuss whether or not it held up. That's a cool concept. It's a really cool concept. I've I've been on a couple episodes. I I uh, talked about the old Batman, the 1989 Batman movie with them. Uh, right. It's a really, really fun show in a really interesting way and a really honest way to look at nostalgia. You know, how much is nostalgia coloring? How much I love this thing. And then looking at it as an adult after not having seen it for a long time, it's really it's really an interesting concept.
2: That's especially in the age of remakes. Sure. and uh, I, th- I think uh, it's 80s really nostalgia. Timely. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah David uh, uh, has put this show together. I'm really proud of him um, because it really fits his personality. It's a super interesting and a super fun show, and he's got some great people on there. What's it called again? It's called Hit Me One More Time. And, uh, and yeah, that's available wherever you get podcasts. It's it's a really great show. Check it out. Cool. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. We thank you for listening and ask that if you enjoy our show to please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps our visibility and helps us grow the show.
2: Yeah. Another way you can help us is if you tell a friend, any movie fans in your life, if if you know any, uh, just tell them about our podcast,
1: and they're sure to like it. And if they don't, we'll hunt them down. Uh, that, if, if They're not friends of yours if they don't like our show. Exactly. You don't need those kind of people in your life. Toxic. Very toxic. Very, very. Cancel them. <laughs> Austin, uh, you've got the wheel next week. What are we watching?
2: Uh, you've actually mentioned it this episode. Uh, what? 2001, especially. Base Odyssey. Odyssey.
1: Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, uh i better get cracking. I've got a book to read and a movie to watch then. Um because we have to do the full multimedia experience. Let's just do the movie. <laughs> All right, let's see the movie. I can't wait. Uh it's it's really fun. Yeah. I can't wait just to see your reaction to it. I haven't seen it, so it's gonna be really cool. cool. I like that Hal character. He seems friendly. He's really nice. Yeah. He's really helpful. It's it's nice to see, you know, AI that's you know, really clicked in with humanity. Yeah. It's really great to see. A big ally. Yeah, totally. Uh drop some acid and hang out with Hal. <laughs> <laughs> um uh really looking forward to that. Good pick. Austin, what's your social media handles you want to to uh run down? Right. I'm on Instagram
2: and TikTok. At Austin.N.Rude. All
1: right, I am PhilRude.com, and I'm I'm posting episode stuff there. Well, I know we've not put up social media stuff for the show. I'm still debating whether or not to do that, but right now, at PhilRude on Twitter, I'm posting show stuff there. At PhilRude75 on Instagram. And uh, you know, links to YouTube. I'm putting right. these up on YouTube, uh, with, with some drawing videos and stuff like that. Uh maybe we'll get our stuff to I've I've tried so hard to step back from social media. I don't know if I want more social media yeah, accounts. adding um, another account is just uh, a whole other thing. Yeah, it becomes a, a a real chore. But you can you can talk to us about stuff on the show just through our regular social media accounts. Yeah,
2: we love talking to
1: people. Absolutely. So if you've got comments or anything, hit us up on any of those, any of those ads, and uh, and tell us your thoughts on these movies, please. Austin, you want to read the credits? Sure. We do everything ourselves. Uh, this week, though, we do have special guest star Amy Frost, uh, top of the show, helping us out with the uh, table read. Correct. So thank you very much, Amy. Thanks, uh, Amy. We do everything ourselves except for that. We, yes. we couldn't have done that without you. Playing the part of Andy is Our talent. Amy Frost from Ake Willow. Uh, there you have it. We will see you guys next time on The Picture Show with 2001 A Space Odyssey. See ya.
2: Samar with the Roots. Okay.
1: Welcome to the AM Tomorrow Samar
2: Soft but rude noises. <laughs> soft but soft, rude noises.